Yeah, so I had a lot of tapes because I made tapes every week. You know, I made a tape every week for at least three years. Damn. This is Big Demo. But my entire name is that player, Big Demo. Demo is what you might call a screwhead. He and Screw were close, so he was over his house a lot. And over the years, he collected hundreds of tapes straight from the source. But other times, he had to be creative to get his fix. See, Demo's Houston born and raised, but he made his living working in the Texas oil fields. And that meant he was often out of town. Because I used to do hazardous material. I used to work out of town, you know, Exxon Valdez, all these oil spills. I used to boom, boom, go fly and go clean them, you know. So I used to still have to have, man, Screw was FedEx and me, Screw Tape. It was so live. For Demo, there was nothing quite like ripping open an envelope and finding a fresh pack of screw tapes. But according to him, there's levels to this shit. Sometimes he'd buy dubs of other people's tapes so he could catch the latest Fat Pat freestyle or hear whatever little Kiki was rapping about. Now we jammed other tapes because some tapes make you jam. Leaning on the switch, it make you jamming. You know, Wineberry Over Gold is so popular, so jamming, it make you jamming. And that was great but nothing quite compared to the hive having your own custom tape. We want to hear our partner's name shouted out. We're jamming us. We're jamming our tape. We want to hear our names, you know, so that's mainly how it was really going. So one night, Demo's chilling over at Screw's house, and he has an idea for a new tape. Next week... I'm going to do another tape on my B-Day next week, a week from the day, Screw. He said, what day is that? I'm like, June 27th. He said, all right, that's the name of the tape. And shoot, one week later. One week later, Demo would assemble an all-star screwed-up click lineup. And together, they'd create what is thought to be the ultimate screw tape. A tape so massive that it established a citywide holiday in Houston. A tape so monumental it cemented Screw's legacy as the king of slowed-down music. And the tape so iconic, it inspired Drake to make his own version. On this episode of Mogul, the making of the June 27th mixtape. To really tell the story of June 27th, you got to tell the story of this man. Hello, real. Hey, young star to a young man. That's what I go by. Might know me as Mr. Knocking Pictures Off the Wall. Mr. Bring That Back, I'm Ready. Complete, unique to my feet, from my head to my feet, so I'm sweet. Mr. Wanna Be a Bowler. Before he became a famous rapper, Youngster was a kid coming up on the south side of Houston. He's a southerner through and through, and he's proud of his roots. Texas, I'm a Texas boy. Uh, born and raised in Houston, Houston, Texas. All my parents, my grandparents, my people from the boot. And shit, mama came out here when she was a kid, and that's what it's been, you know. Youngster talks about his mother a lot, and when he first started rapping, it was for her. He'd spit bars in the kitchen, trying to earn her approval. 
Sometimes she'd throw words at him, and he'd have to work them into his rhymes. And that's how Youngster first started focusing on his craft, putting in his 10,000 hours. I'm gonna be honest, I used to love the freestyle. I used to love just freestyle, freestyle. Rap, rap all day, all day. My goal was to, every time I spit, to sound better. Youngster started off rapping just for his mom, but soon he was drawing a crowd. He had this game he liked to play with his boys. He'd be like, let's set a time limit, say 10 minutes, 15 minutes, three hours, whatever. And I'll rap for that length of time. And I bet I don't repeat any words. You got to go without saying the same thing. And I like, hey, bet 25, bet 30, 40, whatever. I'm just saying the number, you know, like, hey, bet, bet I don't say the same word over. <laughs> I bet, bet, bet. If I say, if, listen, listen. So they put their money down, gather round, and Youngster would go off. And I would tell my, and I'm still wrecking. Listen, perfection. I'm just letting you know, no adolescent. I'm still detecting, if you, you know what I'm saying, still. And they be like, ooh, this sucker really going for real. This, <laughs> this bitch is a high trip and going off. Bro, do you hear what you in here saying? Bro, you in here saying some, bitch, you in the zone. You tripping. Most times, Youngster would win the bet and walk away with everyone's money. Back then, he had big dreams of becoming a famous rapper. He wanted to perform for bigger crowds than just the kids on his block. And he wanted to be able to provide for his mother. I told, man, I told, before that, man, I told my mama, my mama be rich. I'm going to be on TV. And she laughed. She said, <laughs> oh, yeah? Okay. You go, that's all right. And I said, I said, well, huh, watch mama for real, for real. She said, okay. Right. I said, I'm going to buy you a house. <coughs> so. So Youngster figured that his best chance of making it as a rapper and getting enough money to buy his mama a house was to get on a screw tape. He'd seen it happen. Guys like Fat Pat or Kiki would drop a memorable verse. It would spread across Houston. And then, bam, they were selling their own music and making money. But it wasn't that easy. Because back in the mid-90s, Screw was becoming increasingly hard to get to. After his tapes took off, he was playing far less live shows. In fact, the demand was so great that he didn't really have much time for anything other than making new Screw tapes. He was constantly posted up at his crib, grinding. And he started to become this Wizard of Oz-like figure in Houston, hidden behind a wall of sound. For many, the most they'd seen of him was his hands when he passed in their tapes through the burglar bars outside his house. Was it like he was like a mystery? Like like you had to like see, catch him when you caught him? Damn near, damn near. Or catch that, uh, catch him opening them burglar bars, you know? Uh, yeah, it was like he was like a mystery. Who in the fuck did everybody want? Who is this man? What this, who is this, you know what I'm saying? All these fucking, you know? Yeah, he was like a mystery, You're fucking right, yeah. By the mid-90s, an unknown rapper like Youngster couldn't just roll up to Screw's crib and get on the tape. If you wanted to be a part of these recordings, you had to be invited. You had to know someone in Screw's inner circle, someone like Big Demo, the guy from the start of the show, the unofficial king of the Screw tapes. Yeah, man, Demo, like a big deal. He's the real dude, you know. Everyone knew Big Demo, and everyone knew his tapes, including Youngster who had gone as far as to memorize Demo's bars in the hope that one day the knowledge might come in handy. I met Youngster. Youngster met me, man. It was crazy. I was in Sandpiper Apartments. 
And um, I was just chilling on, I was just out there chilling on the block. I met him in the field, you know, in the field uh, as a young buck. This thing I know, I see this dude, he got an average build. He's young, but he big. Man, I'm always the youngest one. That's why my name, Youngster. It's Youngster, Youngster, anyway. He just walked up to me, man. He ain't have on no shirt. And he had on some little sweatpants, and he just, like, started rapping. Started rapping some some demo. And I'm still wrecking. Listen, perfection. I'm just letting you know. No adolescent. You know, I was like, man, little dude, how you, how you know that, man? I jam all the long drive screws. I know this, I know that, and I know all your flows. And I was like, that's real, that's real. And I was like, you got something? He was like, yeah. And this little cat just started going off, going crazy. And I was like, wow. He was just freestyling. He just, he just dumped it on me like it was a full out, like, like LL did in Crush Groove, man. That's how he hit me. And I was like, God, dog, that little dude, he is raw. He was 15. And um, I was like, wow, this little dude is amazing. Demo knew this kid was special. And he knew he wanted to get Youngster onto one of his tapes. The perfect opportunity came along when he was putting together his new birthday tape in 1996. The tape that would become June 27th. Putting together a screw tape was an organic process. It's not like Demo booked any of the screwed up click guys in advance. Just like the raps themselves, the entire thing was improvised. And that was the case on June 27th. At the start of the night, the main thing on Demo's mind was making sure he had a good time with his boys. And enough drugs to last until the break of dawn. I can remember about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, we started rallying up. We rolling. We rolling, making stops. We stopped to pick up some weed. They like, what y'all, y'all boys doing? They looking at the cast members. What y'all boys up to? About to hit that screw. Y'all finna hit that screw, ain't y'all? Yeah, we finna hit that screw. Now I need to go with y'all. The screw says it's cool, it's cool, because everybody, you know, we all know screw. Stopped by Bird. Bird is another SUC member. It's unclear to me why he was named Bird. Bird had a drink. Bird, man, we need some drink. Bird was like, Demo, what y'all look? Y'all finna go here screwing y'all. Man, I'm coming with y'all. Y'all, I'm coming with y'all. So he came, every, everywhere we stopped, more people came. Demo had a crew of guys together and some really solid rappers. Big Pokey was gonna come through, and so was Big Mo. Mo was another local guy who could freestyle, but he also had this beautiful singing voice sort of like hood gospel. But this was Demo's birthday tape. He needed it to really pop. And he knew that one special ingredient was missing. Someone who could make this tape even better. The shirtless rapper who could rhyme for days. Youngster. So Demo calls him up. I step back and grab my phone. Hello? You know, he's, uh, what's up, nigga? Where you at this? You ready? I said, yeah, yeah, what? What's up? You going to screw high, nigga? He said, what's this? I said, shit, I'm finna go get in the shower. Shoot. Went, ran in the apartments and, like they say, uh, got a uh, fly right quick, you know, like if I had a show. And not knowing I was uh, getting dressed for uh, getting dressed for history, you know, nigga <laughs> finna make history. To a young rapper like Youngster, 
This was the equivalent of getting called up to play in the NBA, but only having about 20 minutes to compose yourself before the big game. He'd been waiting for this moment for a long time, but now it was here. And he was nervous. Uh, Demo and um, Lil Kesey picked me up the June 27th night. That's who picked me up. And, um, you know, I ain't now. It's real. It's, it's real now. <laughs> okay, y'all came. <laughs> so Demo's car pulls up and Youngster hops in. There's no turning back. Shit, I jump in and get to ask some questions, lean into the front. <laughs> hey, you got some smoke? You got some? You got some drink? All right, cool with it. Let me sit. Let me sit back then. Fix the vent. You know, they got that. They got that vent in the back. Right? I <laughs> yeah. fix that vent. Get me some wind. It's a lot of heat right now. You know, it's, like I said, it's a lot of pressure coming right now. All of a sudden, that's the truth. Yeah, I remember all of that stuff. You know, I didn't know he was trying to cool off or whatever. <laughs> but I can remember him hugging up against that door like that, like a little puppy. I didn't know that's what he was going through. But um, I was like, you ready? You got everything? Cause you got your weed? Got your little drink? Demo, Kesey, and Youngster pull up outside Screw's crib on the south side. And already, the driveway is full of slabs. And it's clear that the word is spread. It's going down tonight. We get there, and um, it's cars everywhere. Look like a block party. I want to visualize the picture for me, sort of like you guys get out the car. And okay, walk. I'm finna put you yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Finna put you there. We pull up, like you said, it's a million cars already there. Guys and met us there, you know, Clado, um, Haircut Joe poking them. Big Mo brother, Ken, you know, it was a bunch of, it was a bunch of cats in there, man. And we pull up, shoot, I screw here he go. Just the little nigga I was telling you about, my little partner youngster. Coming up after the break, youngster enters Screw's world. When you're picturing Screw's recording sessions, don't make the mistake of imagining these guys inside a studio. It wasn't anything like that. There was no mixing board, no booth. I mean, you see pictures of Dr. Dre, and it looks like he's recording inside of a fucking spaceship. But Screw and the SUC guys were making their music in a spot that was closer to your grandma's basement. All right, when you come to Screw House, you come to Screw House, you don't come through the front door. It's another door on the side in the driveway. This is Big Pokey. Hey, man, it's Big Pokey, man. Legendary screwed up click, man. Day one member. Pokey was there on the night of June 27th, and he recorded at Screw's house a lot. The way that he described Screw's recording setup made it sound like part studio, part dorm. You coming in, and you could either go left or go to the kitchen or go straight in their room. And their room was, it was called, it was like a little wood room because, you know, like you, people used to have that little vinyl stuff up on the walls or whatever. And, and it looked, you know, it looked like wood or something. And the whole room was like that. Some people called the recording space the wood room. Some called it the screw room. Either way, this was Screw's command center, his HQ, the place where all of his music came to life. But just like Screw himself, the wood room was understated and unassuming. It had the shit Screw needed and nothing else. 
We up in there. He got the milk crates in there with all of the different vinyls in there, the albums or whatever. He got the uh, set up right there with the ones and twos against the wall. Then he going to have a couple of little fold-out chairs in there for people to sit down on. And that's where the magic happened at, right there. It's crazy because this you guys made all this crazy art in there, but it also sounds sort of like it was like just a regular hangout, sort of. It was. It, it was like it was like it was like a, it was like a hangout, like it was that kind of vibe. Like everything else, Screw did, the sessions themselves were loose and improvised. A crowd would form around Screw. He'd find a beat, and the mic would start to go around. And that was how it happened on June 27th, back in 1996. Demo told me that once everyone was inside, they were just hanging out, you know, pouring up, sipping, smoking. Bullshit. Screws on the decks and he starts playing around with the beat from a crisscross song called The Streets Ain't Right. That hypnotic beat started to swirl around the room and like quicksand. It pulled everyone in. The SUC started to bob their heads. The bullshitting and the sipping paused for a second. Because shit, this beat was hard. Haircut Joe said, hey, hey, stop. It's time to make the motherfucking tape. And everybody was like, hell yeah, it's time, man. At this moment, youngster was squirreled away in the corner of the woodroom. Most of the SUC dudes were about 10 years older than him, and he was hanging back, trying to get a read on how things worked in Screw's world. But as soon as the beat dropped, he was in the zone. Man, that, that sucker just came in and hit so harder, and I just, I'm finna rap off this. Oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! Oh, you better, you better. Oh, oh, you finna fuck they ass up. When you first heard that beat kick in on that night, you know, you hearing it loud in the room with, you know, um, and, and all the and all the vibes are right, right? Drinking, smoking, it's your birthday, your people in yeah. there, there's good rappers in there, and Screw's playing it. Like, what was your reaction? My reaction was zero until I heard Big Mo. Mm. When I heard Big Mo come in that mug humming, it drove, it was like all of us was at a Big Mo show because we all went goddamn me crazy. <laughs> that boy, man, it, shoot. Uh, it was it was just hard to de- describe because um man when he when he hit that first note and he held it everybody you could see everybody grab their arms he gave us all goosebumps so big you could have fed him man I'm talking about my goodness man I giving me the chills now just reliving it just man it was it was something else it was something else and I got that boy Keith in here. And that boy Poyo in these hoes here. And we coming through with that boy Flickly Flea. Coming out the three. 
So Mo lays down the hook, and now it's on. It's time for someone to pick up the mic and drop a freestyle. Up steps Big Pokey. Pokey's a big man, like Texas big. He played football in college and could have gone pro. And in his big hands, the mic looks tiny, like he could crush it if he wanted to. He was ready to set it off. I mean, it's just a vibe, shit. You got a bunch of motherfuckers in there. Everybody looking and, you know what I'm saying, you fit to get the mic, what you fit to do? You know what I'm saying? That's just what it was. You got a room full of people, you fit to get the mic, everybody looking to see what you fit to do. And it's a freestyle, it's off the head, you get what you gonna get. Pass the mic. And man, this boy Polka got on that microphone, and you heard what he done. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like he was going too long, and everybody was like, "Get the mic, get the mic." I was like, "Yeah, get the mic." Then that boy just was spit. I was like, "Wait a minute." Let him go, man. Leave him alone. Let him go. Meanwhile, on the other side of the room, as the beats and the rhymes got harder, Youngster's heart was beating faster. He knew that whatever he did here on this night could change his life. Man, it's like, man, like, this, like, this your moment, man. Like, this your chance. This your chance. You only get... What how they say it, and like you know. I'm not gonna lie. For a moment there, I really thought youngster was gonna quote Eminem. He didn't, but that eight mile analogy is useful here, because like Eminem's character in that movie, youngster had problems with stage fright. I mean, he was confident in his skills and he knew he could flow for days, literally. But there was a part of him that was like, shit, what if I fuck this up? Will the SUC laugh in my face? Will I ever get invited back? Will I ever be able to buy my mom a house? So the mic is going around the room, and it's getting closer and closer. Soon it'll be his turn to spit. It's inevitable. And in this moment, Youngster's trying his best to psych himself up and not psych himself out. The whole time I'm thinking, like, what is I'm going to say? What is I'm going to, you know, how is I'm going to, what is we going to rap off of? Man, don't even just, you thinking too hard, nigga. Just, just gonna do you, you know? Man, just be yourself. Just be yourself. You know, I come to make a statement. You know, I come to make my, try to make my name known. That's what I come for. I ain't care about nigga. I ain't come here with with nobody. I came here with Demo and Kesey. Man, just ride it. Man, don't, don't do nothing, all that. You thinking too hard. Just go, just ride that bitch. Just, just ride that bitch. When you come in, just ride it. Just ride it. Take off, come in, flipping your tongue, nigga. And, you know, I'm thinking all kind of man. My mind just going a hundred miles a minute. I like, man, just ride that bitch, bro. Just, just close your eyes and you know, just like you by yourself. Just wreck, just wreck. You know, just make every ball harder than the next one. You know how you do, nigga. Try to make every ball harder than the next one, nigga. And I say, man, that's see when it came out. I was like, that's why I started off slow. Skin is my scene. Brand new wet beans. Off the showroom. 
Them hoes don't consume. I gotta shoot my friend with a surprise like a room. Every time they be open, I know they be scoping. I got to break them off, got to leave they mouth open. Cause they got to talk down, soaping diamond face crime. Watch I open up my trunk, showing nothing but surround. It's all good. Yes, they as soon as Youngster dropped his verse, everyone knew that the new guy had done something special. It was like seeing Allen Iverson in his rookie year step up to cross a veteran Michael Jordan. One of those moments that shifts the whole league. And in this case, the room. It was without question. Youngster had arrived. Gotta remember, this guy was 15. Yeah, yeah. They were in awe. The young boy was cold, man. You know, throughout all this we're talking about, where is where is Screw at? Is he just on the decks focused? Like, you know, give me a visual sense yeah, of what he's, he's doing. he's working. Screw is working. He is working because he got to loop that record. Mm-hmm. He got to keep that record looping. So um, that record's not that long. And so he looped it for 35, 40 minutes. So he was looping that record just constantly. I can remember when um, it's a part on the tape where he's saying, June what? June what? He talking to me, but I'm not paying no attention because I'm trying to make sure, hey, we go put that, you know, I'm still trying to bounce up and work. And he like, June what? June what? June what? Oh, and I, I'm like, oh, 27 fool. 27 fool. Look, you can hear all the drugs in my voice. <laughs> Real. Screw keeps looping the record, making sure the beat stays tight and true. And the mic keeps going around the room. Kesey drops a verse. A rapper named K-Love drops a verse. Haircut Joe steps up to the mic. And there are some amazing nicknames in the SUC, but Haircut Joe is definitely my favorite. I've, I've been dying to know the answer to this. Why was Haircut Joe called Haircut Joe? Because he was a barber. <laughs> I love that. And then it was Big Demo's turn. Time for the birthday boy to drop some heat of his own. When we spoke, I asked if he could give us a few bars. He was a bit hesitant at first. No, oh, man. Okay, if I can remember it, I ain't heard it in a... Okay. <laughs> and that's fair. The shit was recorded 25 years ago. But as soon as the beat dropped, it was like he was right there, back inside the woodroom. Here I go. Here I go. I was trying to say... Didn't crunk on the rilla, all my niggas be smoking that killer, cause you know we're coming down, and a nigga feel so true because I'm coming with Big Mo, that Kishi and Poyo. I even got a tight cut from the haircut, joke down with a nigga when they think I'm doing bad. So I get my cash and I act mad, I mash out on the glass, I got a big old leg, a nigga coming down with blue and purple, coming down with the fifth in the back, and I'm feeling so true, got much love for my nigga named Screw, that Kesey in this bitch, that nigga Jonathan, I got about six or seven pounds from him, we broke them on down and we all got high, a nigga don't be tripping, don't be doing no drive-bys, cause we don't gang bang, don't wear blue or red, we like that fucking green, paper's what I said, big mowers up in this bitch, and us nigga singing, coming through just like elbow bells are ringing Big Mo wreck once more So we can just flow Cause it be going down for the boy D-Mo <laughs> Wow 
It's all right. <laughs> now y'all knew what I was trying to say. You remember I said I knew what I wanted to say, but it just wouldn't come out. Demo says that the June 27th session went long into the night. Screw kept looping the record, kept the beat constant, and the mic kept going around the room. Youngster dropped another verse. So did Pokey. Before they knew it, the sun was beginning to rise. These dudes had rapped so long, June 27th was now June 28th. It's like playing basketball in a real good tight game that you win, but it's over, but let's just keep playing. You know, it's just like you want to keep, let's just keep rapping. Let's let's tear something up or something. You know, people didn't know what to Adrenaline. do. Because it was over. It was over. People were just walking around pacing like, man, man, I want to hit. When the recording session finally drew to a close, everyone was drenched in sweat and exhausted. But there was a sense of euphoria inside the woodroom. Everyone knew this tape was special, including DJ Screw. I can remember Screwface was like, man, we just done something. Yeah, what did he y'all say? Y'all broke it. Y'all broke it. It was like, man, y'all broke it. Y'all broke them. It, it, this tape, here going. And like, we all knew it, though. It was crazy that we all knew it. It's like, it was like making Star Wars at, before it blew up. You knew it was going to blow up. I mean, we we just knew it, man. We just knew it. We just knew it. After the recording ended, the SUC guys started to go their separate ways. But before Youngster bounced, Screw called him over. He wanted to have a chat with the rookie MC. Man, I'm going to say it like this, man. I don't know if it was the flow got me through the door or what, man, but uh, you can check the files or whatever, man. Uh, Screw told me he hugged me. At the end of the night, he hugged me and told me, you in. The SUC had a new member and a new star. Youngster was on his way. But Youngster and everyone else would have to wait to hear the finished product. Like all of Screw's tapes, June 27th wasn't ready right away. Everything that night was recorded at regular speed. Screw had to slow things down find the right tempo where Big Mo's voice curdled into the right consistency, and the beats sounded like syrup. Then he had to make dubs and stack a wall of tapes, because he knew everyone would want to cop this cassette. Finally, a week later, Demo got a call from Screw. June 27th was ready. Screw hit me, he said, come pick it up. Went to Screw how me, me, Mark, Kesey, Big Mo, and Clado. Got in the bus, the Suburban. We got in the bus, went to Screw House, and we got like maybe 20 tapes, 30 tapes. We got a, quite a few. Everybody had like four or five tapes. We all had tapes. We all bought a bunch of them. Got it on July the 4th. And you know, on July the 4th, everybody go to the beach. We say the sand, but everybody go to the beach, Surfside. Everybody go. And um, it was so crazy because um, when we get to the beach, all we heard was June 27th. Every car 
was jamming that tape. When I say every car, I mean every car. I'm talking about, we were amazed. It just tripped us out. When it was done, June 27th weighed in at a massive 35 minutes. It was only one song, but that was all it needed to be. It became the soundtrack of the summer in 1996 and spread across the city like wildfire. Other screw tapes had been popular, but this one punched through in a new way. You wouldn't just hear it blasting on car stereos. You'd hear it at house parties. You'd hear it at the beach. You'd even hear it at the club. Here's Bun B. If you ask anybody, they're going to tell you that. What's the favorite screw tape? June 27th. It's like, it's, it's, well, for one, it's a meeting of the masses, right? So you have like some of the greatest members of the screwed up clique on this tape. You know, it's literally the iconic Big Mo verse that everybody knows. Like, Drake has a song called June 27th. That's how attached to Houston he is. That's how much he knows about the city. I'm so high even when I'm coming down. Just met a girl. In 2009, Drake released this homage to June 27th as part of his So Far Gone mixtape. But he's not the only one who still gives it up for this tape. It's a de facto holiday in Houston. Put it like that. That's how, that's how big that mixtape is. Like, on that day, we play that tape and celebrate that day as a holiday. Which is true. Every year on June 27th, people take the day off work. They pour themselves a drink. They crank their sound systems up as loud as they'll go. They pull out their slabs and roll up and down the freeway as they play that tape. By the mid-90s, screw tapes were so popular and influential that a lot of people say he was more important in Houston than the radio. Something I heard a lot while reporting this story was that people discovered artists through screw tapes, that the first time that they ever heard Tupac or Biggie or Ice Cube rap, it was slowed down on one of Screw's gray Maxell cassettes. And because of that influence, screw tapes started to launch legitimate recording careers. After the success of tapes like June 27th, it became common for record companies to swoop in and offer deals to the SUC's most popular artists. Fat Pat got a deal and dropped his first single, Tops Drop. Big Mo got a deal too. He started making pop songs about sipping syrup. Little Kiki had a hit with his song, Southside. Screw also helped to put on a local R&B group who were just starting out. I said, man, I need these girls to sing on this song. This is Little O. Okay, the fat rat with the cheese. Back in the mid-90s, Little O was working on a song that seemed perfect for a big R&B chorus. And then I bumped in and met uh, these girls. So we demoed up a song. And the song was called Can't Stop. And the girls' names, my homies' names, was Beyonce. Kelly, Latavia, and Latoya. Oh, I can't stop. I can't stop. 
Yeah, that's right. Little O's song featured a hook sung by the original lineup of Destiny's Child. Little O knew that Can't Stop could be a hit. And he also knew that the best way to promote the record was to get it onto a screw tape. And that's what he set out to do. I didn't know screw from a can of paint. I just knew I had to get this song on screw. I told B, I told Kelly, I was like, yo, I'm taking this song to Screw House. I knocked on Screw door. He was like, what's up? So when he actually opened the door, like, it was kind of a disbelief, like, you know, this nigga really opened the door. This really Screw. And I was like, look, man, I'm a little old from the West. I know you don't know me, but this is my new record. I'm a new rapper. Check me out. I thought he was just going to bullshit me. I was like, he ain't going to listen. But an hour later, he called me back. Hey, man, this is how he talk. He talks slow. Hey, man, you got some, man. I'm finna throw this on the tape. And I couldn't believe it. That's why we say down here that screw love is that true love. The end result was this. Beyonce's voice pitched down and as slow as molasses. In the years that followed, her voice became one of the most recognizable in the world. But for a lot of people in Houston, this is how they first heard her, chopped and screwed. In the aftermath of the June 27th tape, Youngster's career started to take off too. He had a verse on the 90s classic, Wanna Be a Baller. After that, Youngster got signed to a label, and then he released his first solo album. And he used some of the money he got from that to finally get his mother the house he promised her. And thank God, man, uh, we went down that road, and I was like, man, I could say I did that. Hey, man, I did that. It wasn't just the artist the record execs wanted. They came knocking on Screw's door, too. They wanted to sign the man behind the beats, but he always turned them down. With tapes like June 27th blowing up, he was making bank, and he had the freedom to make whatever he wanted. So he was happy to just stay in the woodroom. But at the same time, others were starting to move on. After guys like Pat, Youngster, and Mo signed their deals, they'd come around to visit Screw a lot less. Screw missed his boys, but there was always some new rapper ready to take their place, eager to prove that they could go as hard as anyone else. So over the years, new heroes were made. Guys like Little Flip and Zero, the next generation of Houston artists. In the late 90s, another local guy started to pop up on a few tapes. Sometimes he'd be getting a shout out, or sometimes he'd drop a verse himself. He wasn't serious about rapping. He was just there to have fun. They called him Big Floyd. But you know him better as George Floyd. Next time on Mogul, the life of George Floyd. And it's like the shit Floyd would do, he really was a gentle giant. And I knew him. I knew him. And as long as I'm alive, people will know the truth. Mogul is a production of Spotify and Gimlet Media. This episode was produced by Matthew Nelson. Mogul is made by these amazing people. 
Our producers, Gabby Bulgarelli and Aaliyah Yates. Our supervising producer, Matthew Nelson. And our editors, Brittany Klinkenberg, Lynn Levy, and Chris Morrow. Sound design and mixing by Haley Shaw. Music supervision by Matthew Boll and Liz Fulton. This episode was scored by Rob Quest, Nana Quibena, and KPR. Theme music and additional scoring by So Wiley. Fact-checking by Stephanie Abramson. And special thanks this episode to Caitlin Kinney, Rachel Strom, and Navani Otero. Follow us on Twitter for all the latest news and a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the show. Our handle is at Mogul. My name is Brandon Jenkins, and I'll see you next episode.